Hey, it's John Abrams uh, here today with Marco Silvestri, who is Vice President of Product Development at Venzi. And uh, just, you know, Marco, I don't know if you know this, uh, but when when I was at, at Shot Farm, so this is, this is scrolling back a few years, people were sniffing around by Shot Farm. I thought it was too early, and I still believe Shot Farm got bought too early. We were bringing in some big clients. We were doing some cool things. The tech wasn't quite where it needed to be, which is part of why, you know, hey, uh, owner, we should we should develop Shot Farm out a little bit more. And, and, you know, there's really all this white space that we can go capture. But I had started hearing about you, and some of the brilliant technical stuff you were doing that had elements of blockchain and, you know, some references to AI, but it was this uh, sort of, to me, it's this little Canadian startup that was getting a bunch of recognition in Canada and, and 500 startups and, and a bunch of kind of technical energy around what you were building, and I don't know that you know this, but I was attracted to Venzi because of the code you were building. And you left to do some other things outside of Venzi for a while, and you've come back to Venzi and accelerated the the development of our, our platform, of our product. I don't know that you know or that we've talked very much about, you're the reason I'm here. And so... I just want to open up this podcast today, so we're 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 at the uh, I think the back end of the COVID pandemic, so we're recording this remotely. And I just wanted to say that while I can't be physically in the same room with you to express my gratitude and the fact that you are the reason I'm here, I just want to say thanks because your brilliant code really drew me from Shot Farm into Venzi. And I think we're doing some really, really awesome stuff, and it's because of the platform you've built. So I just wanted to open with a thank you for uh, for drawing me in, man. Hey, thank you, John. That's a, that's a pleasure. And no, we didn't have the, the chance to talk a, a lot about that. Uh, but definitely, I mean, uh, we had uh, we had those those good ideas, and we, we were able to get some recognition pretty. Uh, pretty early during our journey, and that really helps up to, uh, to 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 build on on all the things we were learning. And we're here today to talk about that seven years later. Yeah, and so we're going to do uh, a couple of sessions today. And the the first session, so our podcasts, uh, uh, I'm sure you've listened to them intently, Marco. But they tend to be about 20 minutes long, so we're going to do 20 minutes on. Uh, I want to talk about the origin story of, of Venzi uh, because every time I spend time with you, I learn more things about the logo and the the origin of the Venzi logo, which is, uh, you know, when I look at it, it's connecting things in the supply chain on one side to things in supply chain on the other side with some Venzi magic in the middle. And I don't know if you know, that's exactly what you were thinking when the the logo first came about. I, I think you had a, what was it, a gear in the middle originally? Yeah, yeah, it started as a gear and then it has evolved really when we when we started. I, I would say we were more around a PIM thing 
then we quickly discovered that, oh yeah, the, the PIM market is, is well developed, but the connectivity between that PIM and, and the other uh, uh, retailers, for example, were, were not there. So that's where we started to pivot more uh, in terms of, of that connectivity and ultimately uh, the rebranding came right after that. So. Yeah, and it's interesting that that uh, you know you looked at this originally as a product information management tool, and and that's a very crowded space, and it's been crowded for a long time. And people will say, well, you know, John is is Venzi a PIM or a, a DAM, a digital asset management tool, or a master data management tool? And I I think those spaces, including ERP or enterprise resource planning tools like SAP and Oracle. That whole manage things within the four walls of a company, that space is really very crowded. And what's interesting to me is once you start effectively managing within the four walls, the problem, as you quickly learned, isn't managing anymore within the four walls. It's how do you get your information in the digital age out of those four walls uh, to your next trading partner, to the consumer? And... I'm curious, you didn't really build a traditional database. You architected something very different than that. I'm curious what motivated you to take a, uh, what I think is a very modern approach to the trade of information. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. In fact, we were, we were looking at, at, at what's, what was going on in the market. And of course, we had a look to a bunch of, of PIM and how they were doing things. And we quickly, quickly understood that the main challenge in that industry was the fact that there's almost no standard or the ones that are mm -hmm. there are not followed by a, a critical mass. So uh, instead of, of trying to uh, build, again, another four wall where you need to fit your product in, we took completely another approach and say, no, we're welcoming any kind of source data. And ultimately, as long as you have a unique identifier to all of your product, we're going to be able to ingest it. So that's the premise we started with. So, and then after that, it, this, this has kind of evolved in terms of, okay, what do we do with those data? What are the features we're bringing to, get to the customer? And quickly discovered that, hey, uh, manipulating or translating that data between two systems is, yes, a, a piece that is not covered much. The market is huge, but also it comes with the price, the complexity. Since there's no standard, if you have 3,000 different retailers you want to connect with, it's almost 3,000 different integrations. So we had to build a system that was really flexible and, 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 and scalable to be able to add rapidly the missing feature because this retailer is different than this one. So we had to be, to be really, really flexible. And that, that was the core, uh, the core value for, for our product, I would say. Yeah, and that's... Uh... I've been in supply chain for a long time, and that that recognition that there is no standard is uh, it's actually a sort of a hard recognition to come to because there are standards out there, and many of the standards are managed or I want to say enforced, but that's really not the right term, managed loosely by a governing body, uh, GS1 Global Standards. And the GS1 organization tracks back to the origin of the barcode in consumer-facing retail through grocery. In fact, 
and I talk about this often, you know, it was a barcode on a pack of Wrigley gum at Marsh's grocery store somewhere in Ohio where the standard needed to be shared amongst different uh, manufacturers and, and all the way through to retailers in order to get a barcode to be recognized at different checkout points, not just at Marsh's, but at any grocery store. And, and that was 1972 or thereabouts. So there are standards. What's interesting, though, is if you're a big enough animal on either side of that equation, so let's say you're a massive uh, grocery brand, you make you know thousands of different products that are sold all around the, the uh, North American market or globally, you feel that you're in charge. You feel that the way you identify your product information is the way. And maybe you even use some GS1 identifiers and you have a barcode, so you feel like all of your product information is right and true and the way it should be done. And then you go to a retailer. Maybe you're going to Walmart. Walmart says, yeah, you know what? I deal with a thousand manufacturers of your size. And so both animals feel they're the dominant animal in that. And so you end up with, as you suggest, no standard because... (laughs) The retailer says, we're the big gorilla, and the manufacturer says, no, we are, and you don't get any. And so recognizing that chaos, uh, you know, putting it politely, is is an interesting thing to realize because you didn't come from supply chain. You came from tech. And so tell me about, like, that discovery, and if you're going to match anything to anything— what was your thinking? What was the architecture? What was the technical driver behind that? Well, that's a that's a good question. I mean, first, I think I need to take to take a little step back because you, you touched a really good point. Uh, the the power relationship in that in that market, and, and everything started with that because that's the thing we didn't know when we when we started. We we've learned that, and at the beginning, it has been kind of a challenge to really find. Okay, well, now we just don't have one persona from manufacturer. We have at least two persona, like the big one and the smaller one. So the smaller one will work very well with the big retailer, small and big. As you said, two gorilla, that's another, that's another challenge. So in terms of the, the, the tech driver, I would say it's it's really because again. Probably at our first customer bring us to to retailer that were definitely not supporting the the industry standard the GS1. The, uh, so from the get go, we were driven by the fact that nobody around us was was necessarily big enough, maybe uh, to 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 be at that level of of complying with those kind of of, uh, of standards. So. It, this has really drive us to make sure we were as open as possible, while also you need to figure out the balance. You you know, if you have too many opportunities, too many way to do the same thing, you can get lost as well. So that, that was the big challenge to keep in mind when you try to uh, integrate anything with anything. So the key thing I think was to, to, to try to find some, some focus, not, not going necessarily in the grocery store and the automotive industry at the same time. It's, it's two different industry uh, completely. And, and while there's, okay, maybe there's no global standard, there's still 
uh, uh, let's seek there's still a, a, a wording around those industries that you still need, need to learn if you want to master that and build a software that will uh, the platform that will really let people connect to each other so it sounds if you if you embrace as you did early on the idea that you had to match anything to anything that sounds really simple but it's it's technically it's not and and so you're a tech guy and we've we've had great conversations about the role that that different technologies play in that uh, there was a lot of blockchain focus very early on in in your development of the code base but blockchain as a selling point to anybody in in uh, in consumer goods these days it's so advanced and i think that as i've watched the evolution of of venzi it's gone away from bringing really advanced terms and concepts into retail and just really saying look we can help simplify this we can match anything that you've got to anything that you need to get to so any retailer can ingest content from any manufacturer and people can be be comfortable with that simplicity so how have you evolved um, your thinking from let's bring some really advanced concepts to market to simplifying the equation for either a retailer or a manufacturer brand? Yeah, uh, I mean, while while the blockchain is super interesting, and we did we did some advanced research on that up to the point where we had kind of a, an MVP working that was also using uh, the blockchain. We also need to listen to our customer and and adjust to their level of I, I won't use necessarily maturity, but but their level of, of technical advance. I can put it this way. I think it's a uh, if if they're not there yet, yes, that's great. I mean, we need to be uh, uh, we need to always look forward and and try to to be a step. Uh, a, a step in front of everybody, but also while doing that, you need to adjust to your to your uh, uh, to your current customer. So that's that's how we kind of find a, the balance between uh, kind of a more traditional approach to storing the data and managing our ledger, while we keep those ideas on on the back burner, and when the time will come, we'll just match that together. So that's it. it just a, a hook in that to. I don't think you think of, of Venzi as a database. I don't think you think of it as a repository. I think you think of it as an exchange or what do you, how do you term it? Because you're, it's a transient thing. You're, you're just simply taking in the data in order to match it on something on the other side. So you don't look at it as import all this information into the database and export all this information out. I, I don't get the sense that's how you view it. So how do you view it? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the way we see that is really think about a conveyor belt. It's uh, you, you, put, you put your product in a box, you put that on a conveyor belt. But the beauty of our system is imagine that you put one box, but it kind of gets duplicated through many conveyor belt and it goes magically to different channel. So you work on one set of product and we are able to distribute that to uh, everybody. So 
For us, it's just a matter of, of, of processing those, those products. We're not there to build a repository, as you said. Ultimately, there's no need to that. We're, we're there to connect the information and to translate that. And the more automation, the more intelligence uh, we can bring into that translation, the easier this process will become. You were talking about simplicity. This is a key thing. This is a complex uh, challenge to connect everything together, but it's not because this is complex that this needs to be complicated. So our goal is to keep things simple and that would completely hide a complex process behind them. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, it's, it's the brilliance of the simplicity that, uh, you know, it's always been part of your approach to the market uh, through code that people can understand, people can relate to. And and we do, um, you know, I do feel that when I'm talking with, with clients or potential clients, I do feel that they have a lot of complexity within their organization. And let's say it's a brand. There's a lot of complexity there. There's a lot of different products. They're they're uh, developed in different ways. They have a lot of information, and they've got to convey it to an increasing number of sales channels. And so, the complexity of that one to many, um, or the way the manufacturers view it, I have many different facets of of my product set and my environment. I have to be able to deal with all of that stuff going to all of these different things. And somebody that comes along and says, oh, well, you know, this is a consultative process over the next several years, that just feels like heavy and complex and scary. And and it's interesting, you've given so many of the folks at Benzi the ability to say, hey, we can help you simplify this chaos, this challenge. And, uh, and it's always a joy talking to you because, well, once upon a time, I used to be pretty technical. I'm not anymore. The world has evolved, uh, you know, past my level of technical skill. You have always been great at being able to articulate a very simple concept um, or complex concept in simple terms. And I appreciate that. I know our customers appreciate that. And uh, uh, I've, I've, uh, I, I've, I've learned a lot from listening to how you articulate uh uh, really the Venzi story and the evolution of it. And, you know, one of the things that I realize immediately is we're running out of time here. We haven't gotten into all of the detail of the Venzi origin story. And so we'll have you back uh, to do more in the future. I, I am going to pivot our discussion in this next episode with you uh, to talking about some of your new products and some of the things you've released or your team has released uh, to the wild. And uh, so I want to thank you for your time today. Really enjoyed talking to you. And thanks for making complex stuff really relatable. Thanks, John. That was pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rethinking Supply Chain, sponsored by Venzi. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast at rethinkingsupplychain.com and share this episode with your network. You can also learn more about Venzi at venzi.com. Thanks for listening.